ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Hey ladies, welcome to another episode of the No Higher Calling podcast. So this is part three of the Titus 2 talks that I am doing with my friend Denise. So Denise, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me again. Yes, <laughs> yes. We get to hear much from you this year and I'm so excited to share you. So once a month we are doing this Titus 2 talk. January, we looked at the whole book of Titus, lessons learned from our overview. Um, Last month, we really honed in on those aged women, those four different characteristics that God lists there that should pattern, they should be patterning their lives after. So we're going to transition really for the next pretty much majority of this year as we have these monthly episodes, really getting specifically into what the aged woman is to be teaching these young women. So we're just going to take it topic by topic, just like the Bible lays out, and kind of look into this a little more. What do these different things mean? How can we love our husbands better? What does it mean to be discreet? What all is entailed in being a keeper at home? So as we continue to go through this year, work our way through that. That's kind of what the next several months are going to look like. So this first episode, as we transition into this more focused on what the young women are to be learning, is to be sober. Now, I'm going to make one quick clarification here. We are studying out of the King James Version, so not going to get into that a bunch, but if you have a different version, your words might be a little different, which might land you in some different spots, um, because a lot of what we're going to be doing as we are just students and studying God's word is going to be defining these words. So as we take the word sober and look at this definition, um, just wanted to clarify that here at the beginning that throughout this study, um, it'll be coming from these, this King James translation. So let's take this word sober and let's see what, what is God saying when he tells in verse four that they may teach, who's they, these aged women, may teach the young women to be sober. Sober is the first one. We said last time, God is a God of order. There is a pattern. There is an order to everything he says. So we're going to look at sober, what it means, why it's first, how everything hinges on that, and then make some personal application from what we've learned about this word sober what does that look like put into practice in our lives? So let's start with the definition. Um, so sober, let's, it's soundness of mind. A definition for sober would be a soundness of mind um, with passions being under control, uh, temperate. Um, I think about, I used the word sensible, I, I believe, in the past. And just this fact, this, this, knowledge or this thought that all of our senses are under control. Our passions are under control. We're temperate. We're moderate in indulgence of our appetites and passions. And so here again, looking at the Greek word, and I'm not even going to attempt this one, (laughs) but this, this thought that sober minded means voluntarily placing limitations on our own freedoms. So while we are free to do um, whatever we want to do, um, that freedom 
that God gives us, they're not, these freedoms are not always beneficial. Mm -hmm. Um, so we get that from the scripture, um, in, in first Corinthians chapter six, um, says that all things are lawful unto me, that all things are not expedient. And, and I apologize. That's first Corinthians six, 12, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And then when we drop on down in chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians, in verse 23, Paul says again that all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. So while all of these things are permissible or or, or lawful or can be done, um, it doesn't mean that they're beneficial. And Paul says that these things are not going to have any power over me. What's going to have power over me is the Holy Spirit. Um, so this thought of voluntarily placing limitations on our freedom is a surrender, is a surrendering of our freedoms to the control of the Holy Spirit and to the teachings of the Bible. So, um, so I'm just thinking about sober. When we look at that, we think of drinking, you know, not being, um, having something alter our actions or alter our thinking. Being sober minded is, is more than that. It's, it's being in subjection to the Holy Spirit. Um, our passions are under control. Our appetites are, are controlled, but, they're controlled by the Holy Spirit. While we do have free, we're just not we're just not running around mm -hmm. doing what we want when we want, acting like a wild animal. Well, I think about this word "controlled" too, and I know you know in other versions you see self-control a lot, even listed in the fruit of the Spirit. A lot of translations say self-controlled. Um, ours says temperate, and Simeon and I have been studying out that distinction. <laughs> really a lot recently and coming to realize that I don't want to live a self-controlled life. I don't want self-control really to be a fruit of my life because if I am controlled by self, Jeremiah 17, 9 says that the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? So it's, it's even more than something of self-control. It's the spirit control. And that's what you were talking about. And, and that's what we see here as we study out this word temperate, linking all of this to the sober-mindedness, that it is a spirit control, that my life is controlled by the Holy Spirit, that my mind is controlled by the Holy Spirit. I think that's one thing, you know, as we talk about sober, and if you talk about that in um, accordance with alcohol, you know, you are allowing your body, your mind, your actions to be controlled by something other than not self, other than the Holy Spirit. And that is the problem. Right. So as we're thinking about sober, um, I just want to throw that in here that just something God's been working through Simeon and I's heart about is that distinction between self-control and spirit control. So our pastor talks about how that taking the high road isn't choosing between the good and the bad, but the good and the best. You know, my good that I have to offer, the self-control that I have to offer is never going to be the best because the best is the spirit control. And that only comes through the Holy Spirit and through Christ. Well, 
the scripture tells us we can't trust our heart. We can't trust our flesh, but we can trust the Holy Spirit. God, he's God. He knows the mind of God and this Holy Spirit is our teacher and we can trust the Holy Spirit. So when we surrender our life and we surrender our freedoms voluntarily and um, we are not out of control, but controlled by the spirit, we can trust that that is the best thing that is for our good and for God's glory. And that's our purpose in life is to glorify God. Well, and as I was studying out this word sober, the Holy Spirit drew my attention to how many times throughout Titus the word sound is mentioned. Mm -hmm. We have sound doctrines, sound in the faith, repeated multiple times. And so then I kind of got looking into, okay, what exactly does sound mean? And I realized that these are really parallel thoughts as we look at this sober, this controlled mind, this controlled life, and this sound mind, a mind that is rooted in God and His Word. And a mind that is rooted in God and His Word is going to be a well-ordered mind, is mm -hmm. going to be a mind that then extends into a well-ordered life, which we have seen as we've been studying through the book of Titus. And I think, you know, as, as we look at this word sober, it's so easy for us to not have a sound mind um, or, you know, really to not realize the seriousness of why we even need a sound mind. You know, what, what does it look like to be sober? Why is this so important? There's so many distractions, um, so many things. Again, it might not even be a good versus bad. It could be a good versus best. Right. But so many things that Satan uses to distract us, that life brings our way, that could keep us from this soberness, from having this soundness, this sound in mind. Right. Well, we know from the scripture that... Um, that there's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, um, and that we do battle with them. And so these worldly lusts, these things that we see, that we think that we want money, position, the praises of men, houses, the latest style of clothing, and, and you know, with um, social media and, and the posting of pictures, you know, there's no words there, but we look at those pictures and we're like, oh, I want that. That looks, you know, that picture looks like something I need that I want, I desire. And so we have these appetites. We have these passions um, for worldly things. That's our sin nature. Um, and then these fleshly lusts, um, sexual desires and pornography. And, and yes, women have issues with pornography. Um, it could be food or um, sleeping or having me time or outbursts of anger. You know, we, we, uh, there's a certain gratification of the flesh when we just, when we just outburst of anger, when we just mow somebody down with our words and um, our angry words and our angry actions. And so these are appetites that our flesh desires and these are passions that can that we could have and those are the things that we are to surrender uh, to the controlling power of the holy spirit i can't well the scripture also tells us to crucify our flesh and um, we do that by being in god's word 
in knowing what his word says, how we are to uh, behave, these things that we are to put on, we're to take some things off and we're to put things on. Mm -hmm. The scripture tells us how to do that. And then the Holy Spirit enables us to do what the scripture tells us to do. So we can't do it in our own flesh. Um, So when we do, when we, when in the sanctification process, when we are practicing and we are putting things off that the scripture tells us to take off. And then we put things on that the scripture tells us to put on. We are crucifying the flesh and we are surrendering and this control to the Holy Spirit and surrendering it from the flesh to the Holy Spirit. And that's what being sober minded um, looks like. That's, you know, placing limitations on these uncontrolled appetites and these um, indulgences and these passions that our flesh may crave. We surrender those to the Holy Spirit. And then um, when we're not indulging in those things, a lot of these things that I mentioned can be secret, secret desires, secret things. But we have to remember that God, the Holy Spirit lives within us and he sees all things. He knows our thoughts he knows the, every hair on our head. And so nothing is really secret from the Lord. Um, and so we surrender all of these things, even our thought life, to the controlling power of the Holy Spirit. Well, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And I'm just thinking about that as, as we are reining these things in as we are working on being sober-minded. Nothing is to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. So the highest, the preeminent thing in my mind should be the knowledge of God, should be His Word, should be what do I know to be true of Him. And as I come to know Him more, and as I get this knowledge of God, from that everything else stems. That is the Lord in his rightful place in your life. But if you are not sober, if you don't have this sound mind, that means that something else is exalting itself above Mm -hmm. that knowledge of God. Mm -hmm. And again, I mean, it just keeps coming back to Titus in that order versus chaos. Right. If God is not preeminent, you will not have a well-ordered mind, a well-ordered heart, a well-ordered life. You will have a chaotic mind, a chaotic heart, and a chaotic life. And I know there have been seasons where I have been well-ordered, and there have been seasons where I've had chaos. And I think all of us could attest to that. I feel like, and we've said this before, living in our Crete, we see so many lives that are patterned in this chaos. And I think if we get to the very root of it, there's a reason God put sober first here. Right. Something else has exalted itself above that knowledge of God. And that's where we need to go first. That is where we need to dig in here. Um, so as we kind of look at this, as we see, there is a reason that sober was listed here first. This is a foundational. We've got to get this well-ordered in our life because everything else hinges on that. Right. I think it's because it stems from a heart of self-centeredness. It stems from being 
self-centered. So if we don't voluntarily place these limitations, if we just give in to every appetite and every passion, it's me, 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 me. I want, I want, um, I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And it's, it's all about me. It's a self-centered heart, life, and mind, and not a God-centered heart, mind, and life. And when we're self-centered, we can't love others. We can't love our husbands well. We can't love our children well. We can't do all these other things in this list uh, mentioned here in Titus. We have to start with uh, a God-centered life and heart and mind. And, and that brings us to, you know, what is the greatest commandment um, in Matthew 22? We know that is thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. That's the first one. And the second one is likened to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So a God-centered heart is going to love God first and then love a neighbor as our as ourself so we can give we can give of ourselves to others we can give the love that our husbands need and want our children need and want um, our household demands our you know lost people need this kind of love um, or I, I mean it just starts with a God-centered heart mm -hmm. and not a self-centered heart and when we don't um, when we just give in to all of our passions and we're not well-ordered and we're not submitted to the controlling power of the Holy Spirit, we're not God-centered. We're self-centered. And that's why this has got to be first. It's sober-mindedness is connected to a God-centered heart mm -hmm. and a controlling of the Holy Spirit. Well, and as, I, as we talk about this, you know, I am thinking that we mentioned things that would try to exalt themselves higher than Christ. These idols that we might put up in our life. You know, I mean, you mentioned some big ones. Alcohol, pornography, mm -hmm. things like that. Tangible sins that we might choose. But I think there are sometimes in this more self-focused, in this inward man, there can be as much of a battle within as maybe something that we're battling without this war raging between mm -hmm. that old man who says, follow your heart and the new man that says, no, I have to follow God. And I've seen that in different messages and different people that I've heard from where emotion comes into play. And I think that is something that is important to address as we look at being sober as of having a sound mind. You know, God created us with emotion. I, I'm thankful for that. You know, right, life would right. be pretty drab right. if we were emotionless beings. Mm -hmm. um, and as women, we tend to be even more emotional with, than men. And often that doesn't play out in our favor. Mm -hmm. But, you know, then there's times where, you know, and I think God so perfectly planned his design, again, in that well-ordered life. I even think in the home, in a Christian home where you have the father and the mother. You know, there are leadership qualities and things in my husband that I see because he is provider, he right. is protector, he is the man. But then there is the softness that comes when you bring in my element of being wife and mother and woman 
And again, God's order is perfect. That coupling is the perfect design that God planned for the family. We could get into a whole discourse on the breakdown of that. (laughs) We'll save that for another episode. But in realizing that my emotions were a part of me, God created a spirit, soul, and body. You know, part of that soul Mm -hmm. is that intellect, emotion, and will. God gave us emotion, and out of those emotions comes a softness, comes a compassion, um, comes a passion, comes different Mm -hmm. things. But again, it's keeping these things spirit-controlled, keeping them Mm -hmm. subjected to Christ. Because if we allow that emotion to get out of control, to take a place that it shouldn't have, to become bigger than the knowledge of God we start entering into this area of chaos. And I think we'll transition here a little bit in talking about kind of this battle between that because I've heard from people, you know, what if I don't feel saved? What if I just don't feel like I love my husband anymore? What if I don't feel like I'm the right mom for my kids? I'm just a failure as a mom. You know, how do we deal with these things when Satan presents these lies to us? You know, Satan comes to us with all of these lies and we have these feelings. How do we sort that out in trying to have a mind that is sober, that is sound? Well, that's the spiritual warfare that we that we learn about and that we're engaged in um, all the time. I mean, Satan wants to um, trip us up. He wants to completely destroy us and so any way that he can get a little finger or toe in he's going to um so we know about the armor of god we have um weapons or tools i guess i should say at our disposal to fight these things um that satan throws that he hurls at us these lies and so um we have to know the scripture we have to know the scripture. We have to pray. We have to know what truth is. We have to pray for a spirit of understanding. We have to um, pray for a spirit of knowledge and a spirit of discernment. And then we have to know what truth is. And we weigh everything against truth. We that's that is just has to be our standard is the truth of God's word. And so um, where aged women come in and how they can help teach this to younger women is they have age on them. They have life experiences. Um, They are further along on the sanctification journey. Um, They've had these little obediences that have led to greater obediences, this faith to faith. And so when you as a younger lady comes to an older woman and you say things like this, then that should immediately um, ring bells. You know, what does the scripture say about feelings? We know they're fickled. We know that we can't trust that deceitful heart. We have to rely on scripture. And, And so probably what you are needing is for someone to just speak that out loud, the truth of God's word out loud. And an aged woman can say that. And they can also come alongside with maybe an experience uh, where, you know, one time I felt that I have felt that before I have heard that lie from the enemy before. And, um, and I'm here to tell you that that is a lie And this is what God's word says. This is what truth is. And so it's very important that the older teach the younger how to do battle, how to 
um, engage in spiritual warfare. And this aged woman, having used these tools and these weapons of warfare, should have a little bit more practice at, at doing this battle, at using these tools, and could be a great benefit and a great help to the younger um, to the younger lady. And so for the first thing, when you hear that word feel, all sorts of alarms should go off because we cannot trust our feelings. We have to stand up on the truth of, of God, the truth of the Bible. And the other thing too, God did create these emotions and emotions are a wonderful thing, but when they're misplaced or when they are um, not controlled and there's not a voluntary place of limitations on those uh, emotions. That's when they run amok and they create confusion and chaos. And we can trust the word uh, of God. We can trust the Holy Spirit. They know what is good for us and we can trust that. And so it's emotions are a great thing. God created them, but they can't be misplaced. They've got to be grounded and rooted in truth. Well, just a practical example and a personal example of just something the Lord brought to my mind that I feel like fits very well here, where this was lived out in our lives, is I'm thinking back to when I had my miscarriage. And I didn't quite say it this way in some text message conversations with you, but I basically, I mean, I was in the middle of my grief and my heart was crying out, what if I don't feel like God is good? Mm. You know, I, I was at that low point of discouragement. And I, I'm, my, I'm thinking back, realizing my mind was in this battle of that old man, that follow the heart saying, God's not good. Look what yeah, happened. Right. Look what you lost. And then the new man saying, you know, he's good. He's proven himself to be good. Trust him submit every thought under the knowledge of what you know true to be true about God. But in that moment, in that very raw moment of everyday life and sorrow that comes, I was struggling between which, which army I was going to give into. Mm -hmm. And Denise, you were the voice of godly wisdom that, I and I wish I, I should have pulled up your text message, but you basically said something that don't let Satan and the the sorrow, the loss, the sin, the damaged world that has come because of that rob what I knew true to be about God. Mm. And that was the push that I needed to help me. Okay, you're right. Yes, I've had a loss. Yes, there is grief. Yes, there is sorrow. And I had to work through those very real emotions. But I did not have to subject myself unto those because I realized that Satan was trying to distract me mm -hmm. with his chaos. Right. When God was trying to show me, this wasn't your plan, but it was mine. And I have something greater for you through this. Mm -hmm. And God did. God did. Do I sometimes still wish I had that baby in my arms? Yes. But his way is not my way. And there have been things that God has done in my marriage, in our family. We have a new life on the way. So many things that we are reaping from me being able to have a sober mind, to have this sound mind, to not cave into my feelings because the temptation was strong to do that. 
But in a practical Titus 2 example, I'm, I'm not thinking of anything better here than to give that example of how God worked that out in our lives specifically. Right, right. And you know that grief, when you feel grief, then when you feel joy um, and happiness, it's just like, it's so much better. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like you truly know and are so grateful and thankful for happiness and for um, blessing that the Lord gives. It, it's like he gives us a taste of some of these things or allows those in our life to teach us about himself. And um, I mean, just this world is full of tribulation, but he has overcome the world. Well, I'm thinking I just recently had a friend who lost a baby and I was trying to encourage her and she made the comment that she's so thankful for the kids that she has mm. and she's just loved them even more. And I know this mom, she adores her children, right. but I was able to understand that because I loved my kids mm -hmm. before. I loved them when we found out about that baby, but there was something about after we lost that baby that their hugs just had a whole new depth. Right. And, and right. I've seen that in my own life. That, right. that Yes, God brought me through the sorrow, but it has made me thankful and it's made me appreciate life mm -hmm. in such know, a new way. What you have done is in the sanctification journey, and you've had this come into your life, and you have leaned into the Lord and leaned on Him, and He has brought you through that, you can plant a spiritual marker here. And you can look back and you can say, God was faithful then. He provided what I needed. Um, he, yes, there was grief. Yes, that was a trial. But he brought me through that. And I've been able to see um, beauty well, from this. Well, I feel this. like I added to that knowledge of God. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking as we really kind of look at this Titus 2 as a path, as this walk of life, I'm hoping that as I continue to walk down it, right. that knowledge of God stored up will right. become larger and larger. Right. So it will, it the battle will not be so intense for me to subject myself right. under that because that is such an umbrella mm -hmm. of look at all that God has done for me. You know, when it, 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 just a personal example for myself, you know, I lost have lost both my mother and father in the last three years and when my father was the last one um, that I just recently lost and it was so hard and I was grieving so much and I felt so lonely and so isolated um, when I was there caring for him and living with him during during this time and um, you know I wondered I, I had that same battle even this far along um, I had that same battle and I wondered um, God, do you see me? Do you hear me? Do you know how badly I'm hurting? Do you know how tired I am? Uh, do you even know what's going on? Well, yes, he does. And what came to my mind was when he delivered me and he helped me through the death of my mother. And I knew that he was there. I knew he saw me and I knew that these feelings of grief that I had were very real and emotions that God created, but I knew that I didn't need to stay there and that I didn't have to stay there, that he would deliver me from the grief. I, I still have times of grief. It's not that, it's not that you ever get, um, you know, past that, but what I do have. Well, and, and it's subjected grief, right? you know, 
the grief is there, but it's under that knowledge right. of God. I know I'm going to see my mother and father again in heaven. They both were believers. And I have the joy of a long life. They lived a long life, and I have precious memories. And I just, you know, he has helped me. Every day I get a little stronger and a little bit um, more accustomed to them not being here. And in just looking, I have to stay focused on him. We're not put here on earth to stay. And um, God was finished. Their purpose and plan here on earth was done. And he took them on home to glory. And one day I'm going to be joining them. He still has a purpose and a plan for me right now. And so my focus, and because of this love I have for him, and because of what he has done in saving me, um, saving my soul and giving me eternal life. I love him and I want to fulfill my purpose um, that he has for me. I want to fulfill that and I want to fulfill it well. And so I don't stay in the grief. I, I give that to him and he comforts me and he brings me comfort and peace and in the ability to sleep um, at night and not dream and not think about those things. He gives me that peace and that comfort. And then he's, he's also gives me that purpose, that hope you have eternal life. And, and it's, it's like, I've got so much to live for and to look forward to. And I'm not going anywhere until he says he's finished with me. And so when we believe and accept the truth of God's word, what he says in his word it's, it's freeing. Yeah. We don't have to live in bondage to grief. We don't have to live in bondage um, to lies or any of that. Truth sets us free. Mm -hmm. and, and it is freeing. And it's, it's joyful. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful life. And I, I'm thinking about this. And what do we allow to control our thinking? I've heard the quote, the heart cannot love what the mind does not know. You know, and in really kind of wrapping this up in this really final charge to, to us as women to be sober, I think it's important that we filter through what influences we allow in just our everyday lives that, that, that we allow our mind to know. You know, if you want to have this soberness, if you want to have a sound mind, that means that I need to be pouring more of the knowledge of God into my mind. Mm -hmm. That means I have to back off of other things. You know, if, if social media is taking the place of my time with the Lord, if TV, if books or whatever, I'm thinking um, specifically there was something in my husband's life. It wasn't a, even a bad thing, but it was just something that was taking a lot of his time that he has recently rooted out of his life. And my daughter asked him the other day, you know, Daddy, why don't, why don't you do this anymore? And he was explaining this to her. He said, it, it was taking too much of my time. Was it bad? No. Was it best? No. And I realized there was other priorities that were in my life. And I'm thinking how important it is to us as women in this first thing that the aged women are commanded to teach to the younger women to be sober. We need to allow God's word to control our thinking. We need to pour his truth into our hearts so that when we hit these battles of old man and new mm -hmm. man, of feeling versus truth, we will have so much invested into that bank account, for lack of a better word, coming right. to mind of who right. God is, that it those thoughts go into subjection under that. 
you know, what happens is we, um, we take our eyes off of God and we place them on the circumstances around us. Mm-hmm. And, um, just in my own example of, of, um, the grief and in those last few days of his life, um, you know, and I'm asking God, do you see me? Well, the truth is, yes, he does see me. And, um, do you care? course he cared he died on the cross for me um do you know how badly I'm hurting yes he does and so we get take our eyes off of God and we put our eyes on the circumstances on the things around us and so those are the things that when someone comes to me and they'll say I just don't feel like and and like when we were talking about this this loss and and you said that I'd sent this text and you've told me this before and I forgot all about the text. But when I hear that, immediately I'm like, that's a feeling. That is the devil feeding you a lie. And here's truth. We need to combat that with truth. And so we learn to do that for ourselves. But sometimes, no matter where we are in the sanctification journey, sometimes we just we get so involved in the circumstances around us and what's going on around us. We take our eyes off of the Lord. And one of the first things that when someone is telling me about a problem or an issue, you know, one of the first things I ask is, did you spend time with the Lord this morning? Tell me about your, um, your prayer life. Tell me about your, your time in the word of God. And that is always directly correlated with their feelings Mm -hmm. and what's going on. And so, um, it is very much connected and, you know, in, and just to say also going back to when I was going through all this with my father, you sent me, my dad lives way out in the middle of nowhere and you sent me some flowers. I didn't even know they knew how to get to my father's house. (laughs) And I had these flowers delivered to me and they were from you and, and just the, the words that were on that card, um, I'm, I'm praying for you. I love you. And it was like, I, at that moment, I said, God, you do see me. And you sent my friend, Brittany, to send these flowers to me. And it, it was just like he was tapping me on the shoulder saying yes. And he used you to do that, to speak to me. So um, whenever the Lord drops something in your heart to do something, do it. Just obey the Lord. He knows what he's doing. He's a good God and we can trust him. And so I I would just say, you know, we've got to have our eyes fixed up on the Lord. We have to have our hearts um, centered on God and his word. And we just have to let him direct us, direct our paths. And we have to know how to battle these lies that Satan is constantly throwing at us because he wants to, he's the father of lies and he wants to still kill and destroy. And that's what we know to be true from the word of God. And sometimes we can't do it ourselves and God knows that. And so he'll send someone alongside to remind us of his great love for us. And so you gave an example of how you've done that. I've done that for you. And now I've given an example of how God used you to, um, to remind me of his goodness. And so that's just part of this, this relationship, this aged woman, younger woman relationship. That's just part of it. Well, and I feel like I've noticed in my marriage, in some friendships that I have, not all friendships, but in my 
core friendships. You know, you talked about that level of friendships right. in the godly friendships, the ones where we are doing our best with the power of the Holy Spirit to live in accordance with God's word, that when one is weak, the other tends to be strong, yes. whether that is physically or emotionally or spiritually. Right. And God uses the friendships that he's given, that he's designed when ordered in accordance with his word mm -hmm. to be that iron sharpening iron to, hey, I needed the word of truth that you spoke to me mm -hmm. to get me over that hump. And you needed the yes. simple flowers that I just, you know, it's just, just and, a little token. And the words on the card. But, but yes. you know, and it's just yeah. the amazing fact that God wants to use me, you, us mm -hmm. as women, mm -hmm. as a part of his work in this world to encourage other women right. to continue in this path of sanctification. Right. It's, it's really amazing to me that knowing my failures, knowing my inadequacies, knowing how far down the road I feel like I have to go in this process of sanctification, that God is still saying, I still want to use you. I still have mm -hmm. something for you to do. So when I put on your heart, send those flowers, send those flowers. Exactly. And, exactly. you know, I, I think you could echo the same Speak thing. Speak that word. Yes. Send that text. Whatever it is that the Lord directs you to do, do it because he knows the person on the receiving end needs it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we can trust him with that. Yeah. Yes, we need to do that. And I think to be able to follow those promptings, the times in my life where I've had those promptings have been, like you said, directly correlated to my intimacy with the Lord. Right. So the more my mind is being invested in his word, the more my heart is being conformed to his, the more I have this discernment to see the needs right. of others around me and listen. And all of that works together. And so basically you're telling me the more sober minded yes. you are <laughs> and the more God centered you are, you hear from the Lord and you fulfill that purpose for which he created you. And there's blessings in abundance that comes from that. Um, there's a scripture here that I, I just keep looking at it and I just, I, I, I just need to say this. Um, it's first Timothy four, eight for bodily exercise profiteth little. You spoke about exercise <laughs> yes. a few minutes ago. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Mm -hmm. And godliness, all of this is just part of that sanctification process, being more godly, looking more like Jesus Christ. Godliness is profitable unto all things having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. We should be the most joyful and the most optimistic people on the face of the earth because we have so such a great hope uh, in our eternal life and our future home. And um, this sober-minded, this God-centeredness, this godliness, all of these things just go hand in hand. It all begins with that. We cannot be the wife, the mother, the friend, the Christian, uh, the neighbor. We cannot be that person that God intends for us to be, that the world needs, that our husbands need, our children need, that the whole entire world needs. Mm -hmm. We cannot be that person unless we are first sober-minded and rooted in God's word 
God-centered, not self-centered, and and surrendered to the controlling power of the Holy Spirit. Well, I think just one parting thought as, as we close here, that the word anchored came to mind as I think of living my life in a, in a way that is sober as I try to have this sound mind. You know, the, the winds of the world are blowing to and fro mm-hmm. and tossing about, but I'm thinking about this woman who is sober. She is anchored to that knowledge of God. Who is God? He is the rock. He never changes no matter what circumstance, what storm, what emotion. He doesn't falter. So when my life is in a pattern of flip-flop here and flip-flop there, I'm not anchoring myself to Christ as I should. Therefore, I'm not living in this way that is sober. Um, So it's just parting thoughts, something that the Holy Spirit put on my heart. Just let's be anchored. Right. Anchored to the knowledge of God, living a sober life, and the blessings that come from that, whether they be on this earth or heaven to come, right. are great. Right. And if you think about someone that's not anchored, that has no control over their passions or appetites, that's not sober minded, they are no value to the world. They are no value to themselves. There's. Th- th- well, they're no value to other believers no, either. No. I I don't want someone who is out of control speaking into right. my grief moments right. or things like that. I need somebody whose heart is tr- they right. are bound to the truth. Exactly. To be the person that I need to be in that Titus two way. That's exactly right. All right. Well, do you mind to close us in prayer sure, for this episode? I'd love to. I sure would. Father, you are a good God, and we can trust you, and we love you. And we, um, we just praise your holy name. I thank you for your word and how it washes us and how you change us from the inside out. And Father, I pray what is, has been said today would just be edifying to those who hear. And I pray, Father, that um, change would come for those that need to change. I pray that they would just trust and obey you that they would surrender their passions and their appetites, their whole entire life to you, Father, to the controlling of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you would bless those that are hearing this, and I thank you for how you have blessed Brittany and I and our friendship and our relationship. Father, I thank you, and we love you, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I hope that this episode has brought much glory to Christ, encouraged your heart, and strengthened you to be the wife and mother that God has created you to be. Thanks for listening.